you are in the perfect place at the divine time to be touched by a horse. Here's your hosts, Melissa Pierce and Dane Cheek. Well, hi, everyone. This is Melissa, and I'm really excited about this new podcast. I have a lot of plans for it, but first I want to tell you who's doing this with me, my wonderful husband, Dane. Hi, this is Dane. Great to be with you. You know, so much of my work is private and confidential, and it's not work that he can really be a part of. So when we get a chance to travel together, or we get a chance to do things together, besides running our farm in Colorado, it's really fun for us. And so I'm wondering, are you looking forward to doing this podcast with me? Yeah, why not? I'm going to give her a shot. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're going to do great. Everybody's going to love you. First, let me set the stage a little bit for the podcast. I know not everyone listens to podcasts in sequential order, but we thought maybe starting out with the first one to sort of introduce ourselves and talk a little bit about what our vision is for this podcast might be a good idea. I'm planning on interviewing some of my certified practitioners of our Equine Gestalt coaching program who are out in their practices doing great things in the world and assisting others in feeling better about themselves. We'll definitely be talking a little deep dive into what is Gestalt and how can it help you guys in your daily lives and the ways you interact in your relationships. Definitely, I'm a lifetime horsewoman and I hope to bring a lot of understanding about the emotional field of horses, how they get to be emotionally healthy, and what they do in this world of healing. So that's just a little taste of what we hope we cover in the next few episodes. In the background, there he goes, is our 15-month-old Bernie's Mountain Dog. Oh, oh, he's going to lose his toy (laughs) because he loves when I'm on uh, Zoom or anything else to play with his squeaky toys. So that's Telluride. And Dane and I, thank you, honey. He will keep him a little quieter, I hope. So where should we get started, Dane? That I'm not sure. Well, I guess because we've been together 18 years. Right. And 10 years of that married, took us a while to kind of get the lay of the land, and we had teenagers to raise and all of that, and we've been married 10 years. That was quite the ride, for sure. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. We've been through our parents' passing on both sides. It's been a long journey on that. And then our daughter, Molly, passing eight years ago. So we've been through a lot, really, in our time together. It's been quite the ride. Yeah. We live in Elizabeth, Colorado, which I'm not good with directions. So how would you say where Elizabeth is? Uh, We're basically southeast of Denver, probably 45 minutes. Yeah. And the farm keeps us both busy. We're blessed to have a crew that help us with daily chores here because we travel a lot. But certainly there's an awful lot with the animals and the horses. We have, uh, I think, 10 horses on site right now. Yeah, it always changes. It does always change. (laughs) Two crazy alpacas that I've had since they were three months old and are more for humor. And if you feel depressed, you hang out with those guys, right? And then a miniature donkey, a miniature mule. Two little miniature horses. Yeah, two oh. two miniature goats. Yep, two pygmy goats. Yep, yep. So it's a little bit of a menagerie. Don't forget the chickens. Oh, the chickens. That's right. So a little bit of a menagerie here. Keeps us busy and just a lot of fun, too, of people coming here and, and staying here for a few days and enjoying all the animals. Prior to us meeting, I was wondering how you put the horses and your psychotherapy work together. Oh, well, that's a good start. See, that's why I've got him here, because it's going to be a really good start for us. So actually, I graduated from Arizona State University, went and did my master's as well. 
And then at the same time had a, a need for personal therapy myself because my own childhood had a lot of trauma and a lot of things that occurred in it. So I was really fortunate to select a therapist who had been referred to me. I knew nothing about going to a therapist at all. And that therapist happened to be a gestaltist. His name was Stephen. And instead of needing to be in therapy for years and years and years, the work that he did was really efficient. And I got attracted to Gestalt. So when I finished my master's, I was actually finishing my first level Gestalt training as well. And as I opened my private practice, I was utilizing Gestalt as my methodology. So those two kind of dovetailed pretty naturally. Being a lifetime horsewoman, I had horses and actually had a small farm, a 25-acre farm in Flagstaff, Arizona, to get out of the heat of the Phoenix summers. And I would go up there and take usually 10 horses with me. At that point, I had a lot of horses. So I'd usually take 10 with me to continue their training for the show ring, or maybe they were older, I wanted to give them a break, and the kids had their horses they rode and all of that kind of fun stuff. And one summer, my clients who were used to seeing me in Phoenix, and then when I left for the summer, the schedule would change, and they would come up for like a weekend or something, or a retreat that I was doing. And they had a lot of free time you know, on their hands, just like we do here. They have a lot of free time to do stuff. So the rule was don't go on the same side of the fence as the horses because I didn't anyone get harmed. And they would see me in a yurt or my office area or the bunkhouse, but I really wasn't incorporating the horses in the work at all. They were, the horses were there for us, for our family. And then, and then the people would be coming up. But, but I think what I noticed was most of my clients were really drawn to them. They really wanted to go down and pet one or, you know, have it come to the fence and they'd blow in its nose and pet the face or whatever it might be. So I was very touched to see the horses come over to the fence. So if my client Crystal got done working with me, I'd saddle up, go for a trail ride with my son and be off the farm for a while. But I would notice as I came back that maybe she had pulled a chair next to the fence and there'd be one of the horses over there hanging out with her. So it's really very touching. So putting that transformation together with the the psychotherapy work and the horses, how did you actually mesh that together? Well, this will sound funny, but I'm a big Harry Potter fan. So I think I thought of my clients, my non-horse-oriented clients, as sort of muggles. They didn't know the magic of horses. And the muggles, I never thought, would really care about what the horses did or thought or anything. To me, it was really my two worlds were very separate. And what that summer showed me was that the majority of my clients were curious about the horses and attracted and drawn to them. And then the further surprise was the horses would come off of belly high green grass, different ones, not always the same horse. And they weren't being, you know, chummed, like offered a carrot or anything by the client. So they were just coming over because they wanted to be next to the client. And I would come back and using Crystal as an example, if she and I had another session in the afternoon, I started noticing some big changes in the client's body, energy field, how they access their emotions. Like after they had spent that informal time 
with my horse, they seemed changed. They seemed more open and more vulnerable and easier for me to work with. So I think that was the beginning of it, kind of me adding those dots together. Oh, okay. And then how did you pick up on the horse's signals and sort of put that into your work. <laughs> well, that took a while. Yeah. <laughs> that took a while. That first summer, I believe I was just letting in the beauty that they were willing to go be with my clients and the changes I saw in the clients. By the next summer, my brain had worked on it through the wintertime in Phoenix, and I was really interested in purposeful interaction between the horse and the client. And I got to say, this was the 1980s, which sounds like I'm a million years old, but there wasn't the internet. So there was no, I couldn't go in and Google, was anybody else doing this? And I had no idea if I was a crazy psychotherapist putting horses with people, if that was a crazy thing to do or a good thing to do. I had no idea. So I was following my own heart and following my intuition. And the following summer, I would invite the client to come down after a session, first session with me, and actually meet the horses. And that's where it began. I just started meeting, having the horses come in and, and meeting the client and being in their energy and really seeing what access I got to my client via doing that. And by the next summer, I was really formalizing it. And so, you know, it just was a slow progression. I'm kind of decoding what the horses were offering. Today, that's all pretty common knowledge because people like myself and many other human to horse practitioners in the world, we've educated people as we've learned about what these horses could do. We've brought, I think a lot of us have brought the world with us to see them as healers and, and to bring them along. Touched by a Horse offers three comprehensive programs giving you the ability to have the career you've always dreamed about, working in partnership with the magic of horses. Our equine facilitator program provides you with the skills to build a thriving business hosting group experiences with horses. Our equine gestaltist program prepares you to open your own private gestalt practice in partnership with horses. And our master equine gestaltist program builds your gestalt skills both in and outside the round pen. All of our programs include in-depth live classes, business growth training, and a supportive community of herd members to collaborate with and learn from. Visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com to learn more about which program is right for you and your healing herd. So after creating success using the horses, I guess there was curiosity with some of the other people that you know that wanted to attempt to, to do what you do. How did that work? So I bristle at the word using because for me, my horses are my partners. So I love you dearly, but I don't say I use my horses. I know other practitioners do. But for me, they're truly my friends and my partners, and they're using me, if anything, to bring their essential gift out to my clients. I'm kind of the conduit, and they're the coach, if you will. So that's that's one that I can think of. And then I remember I met a woman named Amy Skolan. I was a clinician and speaking at the equine affair. And Amy herself is a practitioner. She does a lot of things in Pennsylvania, working with some Fortune 500 companies in company management and teaching horse leadership and stuff through horses that way. And we got into a dialogue and she asked me a lot of questions about my background. 
and then a lot about my methodology. And she said, gosh, I've talked to a lot of people in this burgeoning industry, and this was 20 something years ago, burgeoning industry of horse and human. And most of them have that attitude of using them or creating games with them or whatever it might be. She was very drawn to what I was doing. And so I agreed to fly to her farm in Pennsylvania. And we really explored a lot of processes together and found that we had a lot of overlap on our our beliefs and our attitude about how the horses are our partner and what we believed they were doing. So honestly, it's been it's been a discovery. It's a little bit like landing on the moon and everybody's figuring out, well, I believe they're doing this and I believe they're doing that. And where we found the boundaries of what we were not willing, we, neither one of us were willing to exploit horses for another thing they could do for us in life. You know, we both felt horses have done everything for mankind over thousands of years. And so we didn't, we wanted to make sure they were always volunteering and always coming forth to do this work because they wanted to. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, sure does. So I guess sidebar for our listeners too. So you're not somebody that was raised with horses, knew anything about horses. I remember when we... (laughs) Well, Well, not at all. My father put me on the back of a horse behind him when I was uh, probably around 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And I can recall that the horse would always come around my father and bite me on the leg. (laughs) I did not want to have a thing to do with horses after that. Fighters. Yeah, exactly. Your dad was a pretty good cowboy, but it, you know, I met him in his 80s, so, but all of his stories and such were there. However, I do know for you that you you had not, I'm not going to say a repulsion, but you had a healthy respect for them and not really an interest or a draw toward them. So I agree. Yeah, I agree. Dane's not a rider. He does everything on the farm that we need done, you know, hauls hay and he does everything that that help us keep this facility really well taken care of and nice. But I'll even look in a photo book and say, well, which horse was this? And he'll name, you know, he'll say, well, that was Romeo. No, that was Shadow. You know, which horse was this? So, so not a horseman. So this is perfect for you to be the one asking me these questions because maybe there's a listener out there that's not horse savvy and is wondering, you know, the same kind of things you're asking me. So thank right, you. Right. Thank you. What else do you think they need to know. Do you team with Mm -hmm. a specific type of horse? Yes. And we'll do a whole podcast on at least my personal experiences on which breeds lean into what essential gift. Because of course I call their healing prowess, their the horse's essential gift. So to me, everything that a person needs is inside themselves. And everything the horse needs is inside himself as well. And he has this essential gift to assess what the human needs and bring that forth. And they do it in a lot of different ways. So we will have a podcast where I break down exactly what I've seen and really decode what I've seen happen and how they've shown me what they're willing to do, what they're able to do, what they're interested to do. So definitely in a podcast really soon, we'll we'll conquer into that. You know, for me, matching my work, which is Gestalt, alongside the horses was a big part of it and recognizing what looked to me and still does sometimes like magic was occurring between the horses and the human. When you and I met, I think I had just finished my card deck, Whispers from a Horse's Heart. Right. I think I just published it, right? Yep. Yep. And we were, I was actually flying to New York to talk about it at the Javits Center when we met on an airplane. And that 
card deck has opened doors around the world for people to see the wisdom of horses touching their heart and coming toward them. I, I just, I'm really pleased with that deck. We're actually going to reprint on that deck this month. And I think it's one that allows a lot of people to kind of have a daily message from the heart of a horse to themselves. They just draw a card each morning. And that started with you and I, you know, you were able to see, wow, I'm dating this entrepreneur that's put this product out in the world and is working on her method with horses and also also the product. What do you remember about those days? Well, I remember certainly Waking up early in the morning, packing the truck or the trailer, heading out and going for weekends upon weekends upon weekends, trying to spread the the method, so to speak, especially with the card deck. Yeah expos and right. different places I was speaking or whatever. You were such a willing boyfriend. Thank you. You know, you didn't have to do all that. In fact, we named him the CEO or he named himself the CEO, which meant carry everything out. <laughs> so <you'd laughs> carry all the boxes and the bins everywhere. And we met people all over the country. It was a lot of fun. And I would speak and then I would head after I was speaking back to the booth and there'd be a little crowd of people all waiting to speak to me. And he'd be in there just selling up a storm of these decks or books or scarves or purses or whatever we had there, right? Yeah. Really wasn't my forte, but... It became my forte. Exactly, exactly. So for how many years did you work? You still do in a sense, but how many years did you work as a federal employee? 39 years. Yeah. And then I attempted to retire. Yes, you did. And after that, uh, a couple months off, they invited me back as a consultant. So I've been doing that for now six, seven years. Yeah, two or three days a week. So he drives about an hour from our farm into the government tech center to to do the magic that he does there and comes home usually to a little honeydew list of like, we need hay in the smaller barn or we need this done in the larger barn or this water isn't working. So you're such a good sport about all of that. (laughs) Deeply appreciated by me and, and the crew for sure. So my background with horses is large and varied. I had my first horse when I was 11 years old, and she's a story that I will tell in a podcast, and everyone will cry hearing her story. It's beautiful, and it ends with her just ending with the best ending of life that a horse could possibly have, who had been through all she'd been through. Are you going to talk about the destruction? Destruction of what? Of your parents' property with your first horse? Oh, well, I could, yes. Oh, my God. He's going to expose me on a podcast. Yeah, that's a, yeah, well, I'm going to make a note to tell the Chica story because, yes, with you sitting next to me, I'm probably going to have to tell the full story, which she, she did. I was a kid. She did do some major destruction to my parents' property. I was looking at him like, really, we're going to say this publicly? But we are. We're going to divulge all these kinds of things. So we hope you'll join us on this podcast journey. I'm going to talk more. I will tell Chica's story because it's a great story. Uh, We'll talk more about what is our CERT program and how that works and who who the people are and how you get a session and what is a session. I think that my business coach has asked me for our next podcast in this series to be around 
why gestalt and horses? Like what in the heck is gestalt, right? So with this particular episode, I'm going to end with a shameless plug for that card deck. If you're interested in the card deck, it is on our website and the name of it is Whispers from a Horse's Heart. And I'm just really pleased that deck has touched so many people and changed so many lives and given them something that really supports them on the tough days and gives them a lot of interest, you know, in life on the good days. And we will be recording our next ones and get these podcasts out on a regular basis. And we're very happy to have a brand new listening audience. And I'm very happy to be married to you. Oh, I'm very happy, happy to be married to you. And <laughs> it's been wonderful. Another yeah. crazy chapter yeah. in our life. Is Here, what we we're st- Here we go. Here we go. Thanks, everybody. Have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to the Touched by a Horse podcast. If you'd like more information about anything we've talked about on the show today or our certification program, please visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com. That's touchedbyahorse.com. Or contact our office by phone at 303-440-7125. Also, be sure to keep up with us on social media. We're at Touched by a Horse on both Facebook and Instagram. See you around the barn and on the next episode.